Hi, I'm Brian Buckhalter, NCSM Awards Chairman, and welcome to Learning with Leaders. We're all math people. Thank you for joining me and my co-host, Katie Arrington, NCSM President-Elect, as we talk with bold leaders and influencers about their math journeys and contributions. Today, we will hear from our special guest about their inspiration, perceptions, and insights about instructional decisions that make mathematics welcoming and engaging to a broad audience. Listen and learn about how beliefs, practices, and policies must continue to advance to ensure that each and every person sees themselves as a capable and powerful mathematical thinker. Hello, listeners. I'm Katie Arrington. Welcome to the NCSM podcast, Learning with Leaders. Continuing our series, We're All Math People. Today's episode is a chat with our special guest, Maya Garcia, the Chief Program Officer at Beyond 100K. It is my pleasure to introduce her to you guys, our audience. In her current role as CPO at Beyond 100K, Maya works with a community team to organize and mobilize their network of partners who all work to prepare and retain STEM teachers. She served as a classroom teacher and has played several leadership roles, including as the director of STEM for the DC office of the state superintendent of education, where she oversaw standards implementation efforts and led strategic initiatives in STEM. Most recently, Maya served as the science content specialist with the Colorado Department of Education. She is a collaborative, curious boundary spanner and is equity and justice focused. Welcome Maya, thank you so much for being here, my friend. We're so excited to talk with you and hear more about your work. Yay! Um, Maya, thank you again so much for joining us today. Um, I just want to jump right into it, if that's okay with you. Is it okay with you? That is fabulous. Thank you so much. Let's do it. All right. So for those who are not familiar with Beyond 100K, um, tell us a little bit more about the organization. Okay. I know it's a nonprofit but what is the work of the organization and how did the organization start and how has the organization shifted with the change in context over the last several years? We're going to be doing some storytelling. So I've got like a deep cut okay. version and I've got like a quick, quick, quick and sexy <laughs> version. Um, essentially what our organization or the work of our organization is doing and focused on, hyper-focused on is ending the STEM teacher shortage in America. And we are committed to doing that with partners, exactly like, yeah, cheer, um, with partners by 2042. What we've done is uh, starting in the next 10 years and by 2032, beyond 100K and its network, um, because we really pride ourselves in an active and engaged and thriving network of partners. We want to mobilize those partners to prepare retain, and retain 150,000 excellent STEM teachers who increasingly represent the diversity of our nation's classrooms and who commit to cultivating classrooms of belonging, especially for students of color, so that all students can thrive in STEM. And we know we're gonna do this by focusing on really thinking deeply with the partners um, and together about how equity, representation and belonging manifest, both the at early stage career, in teacher work environment and across the learning experiences and learning environments of our youth. Does that, does that answer your question? <laughs> Perfect. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. Uh, it's, it's amazing work. I think this is work that um, everyone probably listening recognizes the importance of. 
uh, I think lots of our listeners are going to be familiar, if not feeling deeply connected to this issue of the need for increased numbers and diversity of STEM teachers, which of course you talked about uh, connects with both preparing new teachers, but also supporting the teachers that are in service right now, right? Better retaining them, better supporting them, meeting their needs. Um, our profession is really just in need right now. And I'm so excited to talk about Beyond 100K and what you and your network are doing. Uh, but it seems like there's so much to this problem. It's really complex. And even understanding all of the reasons it's happening is difficult. And I know your organization has been working really hard to deeply understand what's causing the shortages. So you've already given us a little bit of a clue, but what seems really obvious about the problem and the way we understand it? And what's more nuanced about it and maybe isn't apparent to everyone? What maybe surprised you guys as you were going through this exploration? Well, there are a couple of ways to approach this answer. Um, I think when I when I even scan or scroll through TikTok right now, and we see teachers reporting out and reflecting on the professional development experiences at the start of school, when we see them kind of showcasing like what's going well for them and what's not, it, it sometimes TikTok can be a really great measure of how the profession <laughs> is feeling, and very sometimes honest. it can be yeah a very honest. And so you know. Um, things I've been seeing are like really speaking to this idea of what is joyful, relevant, and rigorous learning um, and, and learning in which educators feel uh, like they are, they're supported and doing their best work in the classroom. And so um, beyond 100K and its partners really are kind of we're leaning into that, right? We're so what's reflected, I want to say we 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 look at TikTok as our information source, but like <laughs> when I'm looking at that, that resonates with me because when we look at something like our map, and we're super excited when we think about our grand challenges as a collective, and this is something we really invest a lot of time and energy in, is kind of thinking about where can we apply as a network our our greatest effort as a collective group, right? And so in the past 10 years. Um, we we re we we asked um, the community at large, the community cross sector stakeholders at large about like what are, what is really getting in the way, what is what is really sticky for folks when we think about ending the STEM teacher shortage, right? When we think about recruiting and retaining STEM teachers, and in that in that kind of assessment, what we heard um, from you know hundreds and hundreds of people is that um, one of the, the greatest challenges is even the way states and, and communities track and talk about their workforce. So both the capacity, um, like how many teachers are coming in every year, how many teachers are retained, how many teachers are recruited, what is, what is the data telling us about students entering uh, pre-service education programs, whether they're alternative or not, and how do we follow that data throughout, and it was odd to me that the number one sticking point is we don't have information at our fingertips to really understand the issue as a whole, to come to consensus as a group about where we have supply and demand issues. And so the network launched kind of a conversation about what do those data systems need to look like? And in some ways, I think we're better equipped now than we were 10 years ago to have this conversation about like, what is the data telling us and how do we use or leverage the data as a tool when the data is accurate, right? About our pipeline. Um, and that's that's a tool that we don't, and not everybody has equitable access to. Um, 
And so we use the map. That's one example of one of the challenges generated by the map. We use the map um, to kind of as a gauge to see where we might focus the time and energy of the network. In this iteration, we're really excited because we're getting ready to launch the new map um, where we kind of think <laughs> about this challenge from uh, the perspective of ending the STEM teacher shortage, but what does it mean to um, have a representative and thriving workforce? When students see teachers that look like themselves, when we see and attend to diversity and representation in our communities, right? Um, so that our STEM teachers look like the students in the classroom, right? Um, and just when we think about this aspect of belonging that we heard is so important um, to cultivate with regards to our students, um, we find that um, when we think about cultivating classrooms of belonging, teachers are the number one kind of uh, in, in school force to kind of move that forward. And so it really does become important for us to think about like, Okay, when we think about who is in front of students, what are the issues getting in the way? And so our new map really is focused on what are the greatest challenges associated with that? So if you think about a game, a video game, I like to think of like Legend of Zelda or like Ooh. world building games, our map from the previous <laughs> 10 years, what we did is we just asked more questions, learned more from the community. And what we're doing is we're deepening our understanding about um, some of the complex challenges that have outsized impact or that we can come together um, around as a community and really drive um, and focus on that will have implications or ripple effects on the other. And so I'm just thinking about that release of the new map and how exciting it's gonna be. So we think about systems level change, we're thinking about in the classroom change and both are relevant and have impact in different ways and neither are more important than the other. What one teacher does in a classroom to affect change with students that they see every day is just as, as important, if not more important, um, than us sitting together in a room to transform the systems um, with which we, we kind of understand the supply and demand issue. So we're finding that there's the nuance is really related to uh, kind of like, is, is more like where do people really attend to like, and what import they're giving to what drives um, impact. And so I think what we're finding is that both have impact, both are really important and we need to attend to both, both the teacher in the classroom as well as the systems level issues. Wow, that's incredible. Um, not only are you all taking the time to figure out the whys uh, behind a lot of questions, but you're also making the effort to bring forth the solutions uh, as well. I think that's that's commendable. And just the the value that you're putting on teachers. Uh, you know, I think today I come across a lot of teachers who start to get discouraged uh, in our profession, but to know that you all are still valuing teachers as, you know, you're the number one change agent in a lot of people's lives is just commendable. So listen, usually I'd break out my maracas for a point like that, but I'm in my hotel room today and I don't have maracas, uh, but I do have vitamins. So shout out to all the teachers in the classroom. <laughs> Absolutely. That's fantastic. Okay, so, you know, this work takes a collaboration of different types and your work is focused on shepherding, in a sense, a network of organizations, uh, all of them contributing to the solutions to these issues in different ways. So 
I can only imagine uh, that level of work probably feels like herding cats at times. <laughs> so how do you go about this work and how do you see beyond 100K adding value to all the work that's happening in these different organizations? That's a that's an interesting question, and we're going to go down a rabbit hole. And I would say herding squirrels might be a better <laughs> um, better term. But our our partners are fabulous across the board. Um, you know, I'll shout out Katie, um, and and um, the team at UT is like a primary partner. But like when we think about the partners, when we think about the work, we we fundamentally believe as an organization that no one person can solve these huge complex challenges alone, right? And, and we need to do that work together. So when we mobilize a network to transform STEM teaching, we really are focused on reducing barriers to collaboration and catalyzing action. So we feel like it's our inherent duty to support um, partners in, in um, listening to partners and having them elevate what they think is most important. And that's the map. And we codify that in the map. Um, and also by checking with partners, but then also um, really thinking about um, our impact in the network has always been about caring, creating, sorry, a welcoming big tent for a diverse group of players to contribute. So that means we're not just looking at one type of partner. We're not just working with one type of organization. We're really thinking about the diversity associated in the, the network. So um, in the last 10 years, when President Obama issued his call to action about, you know, recruiting 100,000 STEM teachers to, to come together, we mobilized a network of 300 plus partners to share learning and to kind of move forward and take action on that large goal. And that's really the, the start of, the, of 100K intent. And now with this new Moonshot goal and our new iteration, um, we're working with everyone from teacher prep programs, districts, nonprofits, corporations. Um, the San Diego Zoo is a fun partner, but when we think about the informal spaces in museums and STEM education, like really thinking about who understands youth engagement, parent engagement, what lessons can we all learn from each other that help us tackle some of these ways in perhaps conditions we didn't even consider. Because you you all know that even if I'm a teacher in a classroom, I have value, I have insight, I have real wisdom to bring to the table. And then I match that up with Katie, who sits in her her office. I match that up with you, Brian. I match that up with Maya. The diversity of perspectives at the table are going to help us nugget through an issue from a very different level. And so that unique composition of our network allows partners to form new relationships and launch unexpected collaborations and make more meaningful progress. And we truly believe that, and we've seen that impact. So if you visit the Grand Challenges page from the last iteration, you will see the, the library of massive work that people have generated in the form of repositories, white papers, learning, um, that's really just captured there. And it's, it's really a wealth of knowledge. Um, and our partners have really made some critical progress um, there. So that's, that's, that's part of it. And in this iteration, we have 117 partners right now working on change and driving um, conversation in our Moonshot Collabs right now, helping us think a little bit about how we um, talk about belonging in the context of high school math, foundational, or high school STEM, excuse me, foundational math and teacher work environment. So what does it mean um, to explore this, this theme of belonging, which sits at the intersection of equity, diversity, and inclusion? across those three catalysts. So we have um, 
partners working on that issue, as well as helping us think about like what is the nature of the, the work that we wanna engage in as a collective and what space do we wanna be in when we come into community with each other. So we have what we're calling foundational collabs as well as um, kind of focused or catalyst collabs working right now. And so through our programming, through um, our partners, we, we try to attack, if you will, or start to kind of push at those things that seem really impossible to tackle one at a time. Awesome. I think that connects back to what you said earlier that you found out about understanding the problem is you really have to kind of be working from both ends, right? In the classroom, at system level and everywhere in between. And that you show dedication to that through your partners, right? And through bringing in tons of perspectives and really trying to get at this from all of those different levels. Um, it's not gonna, it doesn't feel like it's gonna happen with just one group of people at the table. So it's amazing that you're able to bring folks together. I've had the pleasure of being actually part of two partner organizations. <laughs> so I've seen it from a few different um, angles and it's always so beneficial. Shout them out, Katie. Well, for, with the Dana Center and with you teach, of course, and we've, <laughs> but we've we've had tons of uh, different interactions and connections with other partners that we probably wouldn't have had if we hadn't had the opportunity to be a part of Beyond 100K with this effort to really bring people together and mobilize. I think it's really important. So Maya, I, I understand that Beyond 100K has recently set some new goals. Tell us about what those new goals are and why they feel right after everything that you've learned about the shortage and how to go about really bringing more teachers in and, you know, just kind of what's next for Beyond 100K. Well, we know that, oh, am I echoing? Oh, sorry. We know that, um, that even though we focused on recruiting 100,000 STEM teachers, right, recruitment and retention um, in the past kind of iteration of, of uh, beyond 100K, which was 100K and 10, um, we know that still today, 8% of the STEM teachers leave the profession each year, right? And so um, we know that the greatest impact of that kind of attrition is impacts or affects communities that predominantly teach students of color. Um, and we know that if we compare that to healthy attrition, um, we see about roughly 3% leave the field, right? So when we think about those that are retiring, but there's a constant supply. And so we see, we don't see an imbalance. Um, and this, this issue is specific to the U.S. in some respects. Um, so that's kind of an interesting fun fact. But we know how important it is to have sustained engagement and, and to make sure that students specifically students of color have access to um, and in communities have access to sustained engagement with teachers who really are wonderful at their craft, right? Who represent and reflect and are representative of their communities um, and who have the ability to engage um, kids with a number of different tools in their toolkit. So when we think about a focus for this iteration, what we did is we launched this project called the Uncommissioned. And we went and we listened to over 600 young people from around the country about their experiences in STEM classrooms. Um, and what we heard were stories of belonging and non-belonging. 
And so when it came time to kind of think about our moonshot goal and the relaunch, what is beyond 100K or what is 100K and 10 going to evolve into? What are they going to do next? We really did lean on the stories of young people and youth to help us figure out um, what what was really kind of impacting their experience in our math classrooms, in our STEM classrooms, in engineering pathways and beyond. And so um, our moonshot goal is really anchored in that. So it's it, it our moonshot goal says, um, it really is thinking about the intersection of belonging and the STEM teacher shortage and how we really can't treat them sep as separate issues. They need to be intertwined. And for me, that that matches up with my my own kind of experience as a science educator. When we think about uh, belonging, when we think about culturally responsive and affirming and liberatory curriculum, um, and and learning experiences, whether you're an adult or you're in a classroom as a student, um, it really is it is who am I? What is my interest? How do we how do we think about a student's identity over time? And what role does an educator play in making sure a student feels like they belong in that classroom. So in this iteration, where we're going is uh, we've set a goal by 2032 that beyond 100K, um, we'll prepare 150,000, retain 150,000 um, excellent STEM teachers who increasingly represent the diversity of our nation's classrooms and who commit to cultivating classrooms of belonging, especially for students of color, so that all students can thrive in STEM. So we're looking at a 300,000 total commitment um, and investment. And we will do that with a network uh, of partners, right? So it's not beyond 100K, it's not Maya Garcia, it is a community working uh, around a common vision to advance this effort. It's amazing, gives me goosebumps. Yeah, I know, right? Um, man, I'm just like, I can't help but to give a shout out to everyone who supported us. I think, Ma, you said like you have 117 partners uh, right now. Like just a huge thank you uh, to every entity, every organization, every partner that is investing in our students through our teachers. Uh, this is the only way we do it. And I, I just, man, I'm, I'm full thinking about <laughs> uh, what this means for our students in the long run. It's awesome. And in the short run, hopefully, right? Like short run, you're right. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> All right. Well, let me compose myself. Uh, as we start to wrap up, uh, we have to ask, since our podcast theme for this series is we're all math people, uh, we've been talking today about preparing and retaining STEM teachers and leaders. Uh, but it could be that part of the issue is so many people out there maybe don't identify themselves as math or STEM people when they really do have the potential to be a part of the solution here. What would you say or share with those listeners? I, I mean, this is something I encountered quite a bit is this idea that I'm not a math person. Um, and I would say that math is all around you, whether you see it or not, right? Um, even the sunflower that I'm, has my Zoom background right now, when we think about <laughs> biomimicry, when we think about the way math shows up in patterns in nature, like we're doing math, whether we think we are or not, whether or not it's validated by a formal schooling system is, is I think the issue that we need to start demystifying for people. So when we think about 
when I go home and I help out cooking, um, when I think about the number sense <laughs> required to, 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 to figure out how to calculate timing for food and, you know, all of those different things, like I'm cooking, I'm gardening, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, kind of balancing my schedule as a high schooler. That's all math, like that you're leveraging in that space, um, mathematical sense-making. And so we need to make math, like we need to make that math more visible for people. And we need to also affirm when parents or community members are doing math in a way that celebrates it in a joyful way. I think uh, that's people, uh, you know, I might geek out and say math is joyful for me, but for a lot of people, it, it increases their anxiety when they hear that term. And I saw this a lot with parents and families, um, especially at the high school age, when the students started taking algebra, then all of a sudden parents felt like they, they had reached their limit and they didn't know how to support. And so is is figuring out like how do we break it down so parents know you're actually doing the work, right? And and just validating that it has to be a conversation that we're all having together. Um, because otherwise math is gonna continue to have a PR problem, y'all. <laughs> and so just better preach. A, a, a PR <laughs> problem. So we need to recognize, catch ourselves doing good, right? As is one is one step in that direction. And so um, math really is fun. It is joyful. It is relevant. And we need to continue like naming it and calling it out on a regular basis. I think that's so important to think about what is happening. I mean, we talk a lot about asset-based thinking, but we, we talk about it as far as the students and that is so important, but also what are the families doing? What are the communities doing and how are they interacting with each other? There's so much talk about learning loss when students were out of school because of COVID. I bet you they were doing a lot of math in their head, thinking about all those numbers they were seeing. And they were they were doing so much math and it just, it's gonna happen. It is all around us. We can't help but do it really. It's just that validation and that- Estimating um, and scaling and doing data collection, you know, like those things. All the new yes. hobbies everybody picked up, like, yeah, yes. <laughs> playing instruments and all Name of that. a couple of those hobbies, Brian. I <laughs> <laughs> love it. Awesome, awesome. Okay, well, Maya, before we sign off, I want to say a big thank you for joining us today. We really enjoyed learning about this, and I'm sure our leaders out there are thinking about how they can use what they've heard about to, to harness their networks for positive change and what they can be doing. Uh, but before we leave, tell us a little bit more about how to find out more about Beyond 100K and the grand challenges and all the kinds of things you were talking about today. Well, we we can provide some links, hopefully in the notes for the podcast yes. for people. Um, we will be launching uh, our next round of recruitment for new partners to join this this movement. I'm calling it a movement because that's what it is um, in October, the end of October of this year. And you can find out more information and kind of put your name in to get more information on our website. So that's that's one way. I will also encourage people to both look at the Grand Challenges website, both the previous challenge, the Grand Challenges website, as well as the one that we'll be launching at Summit this year. Um, and our summit, our annual summit is November 13th through the 15th in Philadelphia. And that's a convening that we host with partners. And this year we're gonna be engaging partners in the map and really thinking about what are those meaty issues. So there's really exciting. <laughs> I'm really excited in our network, both to bring our partners um, to kind of together to do that work, but also to release that map publicly. So I would just say, look, look for that. 
look for that on the horizon in the near future and engage with the grand challenges as they are today. And um, and just those are the, the best ways to kind of keep in touch with us. Awesome. Well, we'll definitely send people to beyond100k.org, which is the website to check out those grand challenges, see about summit and partner recruitment and send you any questions that they might have and after they've explored some. Maya, thank you so much for being here. Say, we say mil, mil gracias, right? We're, we're just kind of, it, it was wonderful to be with you both this evening or this afternoon. So thank you so much. Thank you, thank you. We hope that you have been inspired by this bold mathematics leadership conversation and will tune into our podcast series each month. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. You can learn more about NCSM, Leadership and Mathematics Education, and our upcoming professional learning events on the NCSM website, mathedleadership.org. You can also follow NCSM on Twitter at mathedleaders and using the hashtag NCSMBold. Until next time.